0: Well, good morning, and I'm very pleased to introduce the first speaker of today, Rachel Coventry, who's going to speak to us on Heidegger Poetry and Sunglasses. <laughs> I just thanks to everybody that's involved in the organisation of the conference, it's been really excellent. Um, so are the sunglasses a metaphor? Heidegger and Post-Internet Poetry is slightly different from the abstract, uh, that I, but not too different, as we'll see. <clears throat> this paper will attempt to show how we can understand Sam Rivera's poetry collection, Kim Kardashian's Marriage, more fruitfully in terms of Heidegger's account of technology than with traditional accounts uh, that are used to understand poetry. In traditional accounts, we may view the sunglasses mentioned in the poems as a metaphor or an image. In this way, we will see how a Heideggerian analysis can shed light on contemporary poetry practices in a way that renews Heidegger's poetic thought and calls it into question in the light of new poetic practices. Of course, when we speak about Heidegger in terms of contemporary poetry, we run into an immediate difficulty. Heidegger tells us that clearly that he's only interested in great poetry. So I'm going to leave the question of greatness aside, even though that is clearly problematic. Um, I'm not not making a claim for the greatness of Riviera's poetry or otherwise, but what I am suggesting is that we can understand it better with respect to Heidegger's accounts of uh, te- technology and poetry, so uh, Podder's post-internet poetry, Sam Riviera's 2015 collection *Kim Kardashian's Marriage* um, is an example of post-internet poetry, which is the practice of reformatting uh, internet content as poetry. While some poets in this uh, met- using this methodology use the content of social media sites. Riviera uses uh, the result of Google searches. So the poems in this collection are created by Googling the titles and piecing together the results. (coughs) Riviera's titles are generated by employing an elaborate process of recombining chapter headings from his previous books to generate a number of key words, such as girlfriend, grave, Hardcore, sunglasses, and Sincerity. These titles are combined and fed into Google, and the first ten results of each search are edited into poems. While Riviera has a, uh, while Riviera has not added a single word, uh, to the collection, the, pa- on the, po- the poems look like normal lyric poetry on the page. You know, they're short, they're arranged into stanzas and they make li- use of varying line lengths. So, an example is The New Dust. I met Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He's been walking for three days. He makes necklaces of refined sugar. Human hair is toxic now. Melted plastic implants is okay. Leather is sugar, metal sugar. And sometimes rope or wool so art and now I'm going to talk a little bit about art essence and metaphor in the origin of the work of art Heidegger considers uh, the example of Van Gogh's painting of the peasant shoes and as we know the conceit of the essay is that we are asked to use Van Gogh's depiction as an example of equipment but what we discover is in fact the essence of art it is only art that allows us to understand the shoes and their essence or reason and this according to Heidegger is the reliability or usefulness. We do not have access to this essence when we use a piece of equipment because it vanishes into usefulness as with the hammer and being in time. We only become aware of equipment when it wears out or breaks but then it is merely at hand. It has lost its primary essence. The use itself falls into disuse as Heidegger puts it. Similarly, if I take off my shoes and put them on the table, they are similarly at hand and no longer in their essence. Understanding a thing in its essence can only happen in the realm of art, according to Heidegger in this essay. Um, and, And essence is linked to truth. This is not just true for simple things like shoes or other direct objects. Directly after his account of the painting, Heidegger considers Meyer's poem, Roman Fountain. Um, He points out that although the poem is a fairly straightforward piece of poetic description, he says it is not a reproduction of the general essence of a Roman fountain. There is something different about how truth is set to work uh, in Meyer's poem, but Heidegger stops short at saying exactly what this is. But traditionally, Uh, people analysing poetry might suggest that the poem is symbolic or metaphoric, that the fountain stands in for something else. However, given Heidegger's critical account of metaphor, this is not an option here. For Heidegger, great poetry cannot be considered metaphoric because it transcends the sensuous non-sensuous dichotomy at the heart of metaphysics. The most uh, comprehensive account of metaphor comes in the principle of reason, Heidegger makes a seemingly uh, metaphoric statement that thinking is a listening that brings something into view. Although this is by no means the first metaphor in the text, it is this one that Heidegger singles out for comment. His denial of the metaphor is disarmingly simple. To consider the contention. Uh, That thinking as a hearing, as a metaphor, is to ignore the fact that hearing is not simply a function of the ear. As Heidegger points out, even the deaf person can hear. It is not our uh, our ears that hear the titmouse or the lark. Similarly, it is not the eyes that see Apollo in the statue of a young man. The thinking metaphor attempts to illustrate the artificiality of any literal figurative distinction. The point is that our account of the sensible or the literal is not true of the senses because we sense in ways that the literal figurative distinction cannot account for. In this way, the distinction becomes historical in the sense that language tends to reflect a splitting off uh, in experience where novelty or surprise uh, is made banal and literal. Bad poetry in Heidegger's view fails to overcome such banality in experience, though great poetry Uh, operates uh, beyond this distinction. Great poetry, especially the poetry of Holderlin, should not be considered metaphoric, but rather uh, seen as breaking through the metaphysics of its age. However, not-so-great poetry, on the other hand, can be analyzed in terms of metaphor because it adheres to the received metaphysics. In this way, Meyer's poem is not to be understood in terms of metaphor if we consider this to be a great poem. Instead, we must say that the fountain in Myers' poem, Things, or opens up uh, the fourfold in a way that is different from the peasant shoes. So it's beyond the scope of this paper to give an in-depth account of things and thinging in the fourfold. But very quickly, Heidegger offers us an alternative to Western metaphysics in terms of these things. Very simply, a metaphysical understanding does not approach things qua the things they are. And in this way, Uh, and in this way a metaphysical understanding annihilates them and they become mere objects. Heidegger distinguishes objects from things in his essay on things. Uh, An object is first and foremost a representation whereas the thingly character of the thing does not consist in its being represented as an object as Heidegger tells us. Objects and things come into presence in different ways. Things come into presence in terms of uh, gathering. Heidegger tells us the thing things. Thinging gathers. So what is it that is gathered? Heidegger, using the example of the jug, tells us the the jug's jug character consists in the poured gift of the pouring out. But in addition to this, the spring stays on in the water of the gift. And this leads us to, in the water of the spring dwells the marriage of sky and earth. The jug, quad jug, opens up the fourfold in this way. If we accept Heidegger's account, then we understand the sky and earth through the jug. And in this way, metaphors lose their semantic peculiarity. Things such as the jug open up a world of relations. And the jug is a thing of the sky or the earth. uh, And that the jug is a thing of the sky or the earth is no longer understood as metaphorical. So we cannot understand Meyer's poem a fountain poem is metaphoric but rather we must understand it in terms of world and sky concealment and unconcealment so what of Riviera's uh, poetry in whatever sense it happens great art is truth and for truth Heide- uh, and truth for Heidegger is linked to essence so we must ask what what is the truth of Riviera's poems what if anything is given in its essence by the poems Perhaps it is Google that is brought into the light of unconcealment. But what is the essence of Google? As a search engine, Google is certainly equipment. Uh, It is useful in a bewildering array of ways. uh, But it does not seem to be the usefulness that is at play in these poems. In fact, quite the opposite. (laughs) Riviera highlights the reams of banal content that make up a good deal of the Internet. However, the poems still give us some sort of a sense of what it's like to use Google. The random nature of the poetry reflects the way hyperlinks embedded in the text allow the user to slip endlessly from page to page without ever landing. The poems are banal, random, concerned with celebrity and consumer products. There is a sense that things are floating, unfixed by overall narrative. But of course, we cannot talk about the essence of Google without first considering Heidegger's account of modern technology as in framing. For Heidegger, in framing is the essence of modern technology. I will argue that in is also the essence of Google. And this uh, is so in a way that is more fundamental than other examples of modern technology. Technology, as we know, like art, is a a mode of unconcealment. And while the unconcealment at play in Van Gogh's Peasant Shoes is poesis, the revealing associated with modern technology is not. Modern technology is challenging, so its revealing is different because it sets upon nature. Heidegger's account of technology is critical. He points to its monstrousness, and this monstrousness can be understood in terms of art. He tells us, In order that we may even remotely consider the monstrousness that it reigns here, let us ponder for a moment the contrast that is spoken by the two titles the Rhine as dammed up powerworks and the Rhine as uttered by the artwork in Holderlin's hymn by that name. The Rhine is enframed when we view it as a powerwork and force it to deliver its power as electricity over to storage. The Rhine as dammed up powerworks becomes thingless. Heidegger is clear that we cannot just alternate between these two understandings of the Rhine as we do not control the unconcealment, but rather it holds sway over us. While the human being, beings that have enframed, while it is human beings that have enframed the river, we cannot simply swap this for a more poetic mode of unconcealment. Furthermore, the unconcealment associated with new technology is fundamentally different to the unconcealment of older technologies. Modern technology uh, is distinguished in that it is based on science, particularly the exact science of metaphysics. Of physics, sorry. Um, And framing reveals things merely as standing reserve. Heidegger tells us that whatever stands by, in the sense of standing reserve, no longer stands over against us as an object. And he gives the example of an airliner as a a technology that presences in terms of standing by or bestand. The airliner on the taxi strip has standing only on the basis of the ordering of the orderable. Like the airliner, Google is completely a product of the technological age, but unlike the river, or the airliner, uh, we, we can argue that Google isn't framing itself. This is because Google shares structural similarities with the mode of unconcealment that fosters it. For example, Heidegger tells us that in framing results in everything everywhere being ordered to stand by, to be immediately on hand, indeed just to stand there just so that it may be on call for a further ordering. The content of Google is always just a few taps or clicks away. Furthermore, Heidegger tells us, unlocking, transforming, storing, distributing and switching about are ways of revealing. But, this, but the revealing never simply comes to an end, neither does it run off into the indeterminate. The revealing reveals to itself in its own manifoldly interlocking path through regulating their course. Again, this reflects the way Google operates, whereby the seemingly endless paths through hyperlink after hyperlink always come back to a discussion of Kim Kardashian. Google's content stands by, always ready for immediate access. It is presented to us as standing reserve. Thus, when you Google the sunglasses, the results no longer stand over and against us as an object. So how do the sunglasses presence? If Riviera's poems succeed in capturing the essence of Google, we can ask, what is the status of objects described within the poems? Sunglasses is one of the words Riviera uh, has combined into the titles that generated the poems, and so there are eight poems in the collection that contain the word sunglasses in the title. And a few examples are American sunglasses. In the movie, The American, The 2010 film, The American, which sees George Clooney as Jack, an assassin and gunsmith. George Clooney looking effortless in the Persol 3009, wears a pair of Havana-colored Persol uh, 2883 sunglasses. Or we have infinity sunglasses. A comprehensive selection, hidden in the high rise. You know what that means. Eyes love infinity. Fucking pimped out. Free shipping. And finally, the new sunglasses. It's here that our eyewear, worn by countless, has crowned. Over 100 brands. Invest in this collection. You can view the latest details on on the temples. Eye-wateringly bright. So while the content of each poem is random, um, the choice of title is not by including sunglasses as a, as a title word, Riviera is dealing with the image of the sunglasses as a motif or a theme of the collection. It is tempting to view then to view the sunglasses as a poetic metaphor, by which the sunglasses stand in for something else, like society's obsession with consumer products. If in fact, uh, in fact, it is Riviera's poetry, it is in Riviera's poetry that we get a glimpse of what Heidegger means when he says things have become thingless. The sunglasses in the poem do not stand in for something else in the sense of metaphor, neither do they thing in terms of opening up the fourfold. In fact, they barely presence in the poem at all. While I have seen the film The American, mentioned in the first poem, I had no memory of what the sunglasses looked like, but of course I could Google them, and uh, in doing so, I discovered how much it would cost me to buy. There they are. <laughs> how much it would cost me to buy a pair, and I could have bought a pair there and then. You know? So Google um, allows me to turn each film that I have ever watched into a catalogue uh, for meaningless consumer goods. Rather than opening up the sunglasses in terms of uh, thinging, the poem shuts them down into mere stock or standing reserve, and framing reveals the actual in the mode of ordering, that is, a standing reserve. Um, the sunglasses in the poems are revealed in, in this way, in the, uh, and sorry, in framing reveals uh, the actual in the mode of ordering, that is, a standing reserve. The sunglasses in the poems are revealed in this way, and the technological mode of unconcealment is also shown. In this way, it is Heidegger's account of poetry and technology that allows us to understand the motif of the sunglasses in these poems. Do I have another couple of minutes? Okay, so just very quickly, I'm just going to make a very quick comment on uh, the createdness of the collection. the question becomes then, how does the act of cutting and pasting some uh, random internet content and reformatting reformat- it into poetry allow us to see Google as inframing framing and the sunglasses as inframed? framed uh, in a way that is unavailable to us when we use Google? Like the pair of shoes, Google is fully used up in its use. And in The Origin of the Work of Art, Heidegger tells us that like ordinary speakers, the poet uses words. But unlike ordinary speakers, she does not use them up. In the poem, the words remain words. They do not disappear into usefulness, but remain present in their createdness. Heidegger distinguishes ordinary speakers from poets, not in terms of the skill used, but in terms of the bringing forth of the work. This is the same distinction between craftsmen and artists the material used by the craftsman disappears into usefulness whereas the material uh, used by the artist first comes to shine this firstness is emphasized by uh, some philosophers such as noel smith and it is interesting because the words used by riviera are secondhand, clearly but it can be argued that these words first come to appear to us in the poem this is because the po- it is the poem it is in the poem we first see them as words and in this we capture something about the experience of using Google that has evaded us up until now. Thank you.